Uh, today, our, our theme is God's Benefits Package. Uh, this time of year, many of you are submitting your plans for your benefits package at work. If you're looking for a new job, you want to know the whole package before you make a decision. It, it's not enough that you just know the salary. You want to know what else might be included. It, it, or in, in the day we live today, it's really important. Are there health benefits? Or is there health insurance? Or, or, or there, is there retirement? Will, will there be bonuses? Will there be vacation time? Will they invest in me in training? You, you see, we, we want to see the whole package because sometimes if all you see is the salary line, you've really not seen what they're going to invest in you. Or maybe you have seen everything they're going to invest in you. You're interested in the whole picture. And today, I want to make sure that we get the whole picture of what God wants to invest in us. So we're going to talk about God's benefits package today. Now, here's the key word. The key word today is a Latin word, Benny. Say that word with me. Benny, all right? And the word Benny means good. And that's the key to our whole story today is looking at that word good. And let me say this, it's key to more than just our message. The key to a joyous, fulfilled Christian life is looking for the good in life. And hopefully today we can find some ways to do that. Now this week I just sort of scanned the New Testament, looking at some of the, the good promises that God has given us, some of the benefits package. And let's just look at some of those as we begin this morning. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I love this one. The good news. For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It was the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. Paul wants everyone to know that salvation is for them. That's the good news. That being in a wrong relationship with God can become a right relationship with God because of what Jesus has done for you. That you and I can be saved. That's an incredible benefit. That might be the salary line in our benefit package. That we know that we're going to heaven. As the old preacher said, Jesus came and gave us some good fire insurance. But here's what I want you to know. There's more to the benefits package than just good fire insurance. Let's look at some other things. How about good gifts? Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Jesus says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus says here in this chapter, on Christmas morning, none of you dads, no matter how sorry a dad you are, are going to wrap up a snake and put it under the tree. You just wouldn't do that. Even we, sinful us, we know better than that. And we say it is, if we know better than that, if we're going to give good gifts, can you imagine the good gifts that God's going to give us? I like Luke chapter 11, verse 13. In Luke's rendition of this, Luke changes it up a little bit. Luke says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the good gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? What's he saying? My friends, God has got all kinds of good gifts to give you beyond just being saved and going to heaven. God's got all kinds of good gifts. And the greatest gift of all is the gift of himself. It's the greatest gift he could give you is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a big part of the benefits package. And then look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where you see the good lifestyle. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what's going to happen. 
then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What's he say? When you start living a submissive, obedient life to God, when you do what he says instead of what you want, you're going to discover experience that his way is always right. It was the famous uh, French philosopher, Louis Pascal, who first came up with what's called Pascal's Wager, where he talks about, you know, in life, in the long run, you're, you're going to make a bet. Either you're going to bet on the existence of God and obey him, or you're going to bet that he doesn't exist. And Pascal says, the best bet according to evidence, it does take faith, is to bet on God. But Pascal also says this, even if you're wrong on that bet, you would still live a better life because you are living out the commands in the Bible. And and I'm telling you, what you're going to find out, what I'm going to find out is we begin to submit to God and our mind begins to change. Because Christianity is not just about you getting out of hell and going to heaven. It's a good life right now. Not an easy life, but it's good. And then here's another part of the benefits package. Good results. That's why we love Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God's investment in you is that he could take the good things that happen in your life, he could take the bad things that happen in your life, and he can make it all good. Romans 8 does not say that everything that happens in your life is good. But he does say we serve a God so powerful that he could take the worst thing in your life and use it to do good. Now, a lot of times we read Romans 8, 28, and we don't look at verse 29. So look at verse 29 with me. Here's the good he's after. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Because here's part of the benefits package. Through the good and bad in your life, through the peaks and valleys, through the awesome times and through the awful times. God is doing good and the greatest good is that he is molding you into the image of his son. He's making you more and more like Jesus right now. And then he's gonna give you good fruit in your life. Colossians 1 verse 10. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. What's good fruit? It's the impact of your life. Guys, here's one of the greatest benefits we have to serving God. It's not just that you're not going to hell. It's that you get to live a productive life. We get to live a life that actually counts and changes other people. I was blessed this weekend to be with an old college roommate of mine, a guy named Wiley Mullins. We were, he lives up in Connecticut and went to a men's retreat with him and did, did some things in his church. It was, just, it was just fun. One of my, one of my great friends. And uh, we were staying up late one night talking. And Wiley moved from Alabama, which is his home, up north, of, you know, 30 years ago. And uh, he was talking about whether he ought to move back south or not. And He's a little frustrated about living up north because it's so unchristian. And he was just sort of saying, you know, buddy, I don't know that I've led anybody to the Lord. I I don't know what impact I've had. Well, the next night we went to this retreat. And after the first night, um, a a man asked to pray with us. And so we're praying with this guy. His name is Ralph. And Ralph's, uh, you know, sort of a a rough New Yorker. But uh, while he had met him, 
at Sweps when he was a marketing man there. And we're sitting there around that table. And uh, Ralph says to Wiley, he says, uh, man, you're the person that led me to Christ. And don't you remember? It had been years ago. Don't you remember when you, you baptized me in that pool behind this other guy's house? And we got out of there and I said, Wiley, come on, man. Did you just hear what that man said last night? You're like, I don't know if my life's counting. Here's a man who wouldn't know Christ, wouldn't be living for Christ, unless he had met you bouncing down the halls at Sweps and you had changed his life. And guys, that's what makes our lives beneficial. We don't have to wait just to heaven to get the good stuff, guys. We start getting it right now. And part of it is that we have the opportunity to produce good results, good fruit. And then one more thing here, the benefit, and this is a, a small rendition of it. I love this one. We, we, we get a good taste. You know, he's talking about people that are spiritually immature, drinking the milk of the word. He said, you want to dig into God's word, verse 3, 1 Peter chapter 2. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. That's one of the great things we get is on, even here on this earth, we get a taste of the goodness of God. Oh yeah, part of the benefits package is that we're going to heaven, but here's the good deal. We get to begin to taste heaven right here. It's like riding down the road and you're in front of Krispy Kreme and the hot donut sign is flashing. How many of that's a temptation to you? Man, you go in, man, you taste that the donut is good. The Lord says when you taste his salvation, you taste right now that it's good. And the great thing about God's salvation, it's not only good, but it's healthy, okay? And you begin to taste that. You hear all those benefits we've listed, and this is just the beginning. I've just given you like six or seven of good things promised in Scripture to you. I want to ask you, are you enjoying the benefits package? C.S. Lewis said this, too many Christians are like a child playing in a mud puddle when just around the bend is the entire ocean to play in. And many of us, we're just, you know, just playing in the little mud puddle. Well, I know I'm not going to hell. Maybe I'm going to heaven. And we're not enjoying the whole package. And that's my challenge for us today. It's for us to get out of the mud puddle and to get in the ocean of God's good grace. Let me say a couple things. Let's start getting practical now. How do you enjoy God's benefit package? The key to enjoying is thanksgiving. The key to really enjoying this is having a sense of thanksgiving in your life. That's why I think the Thanksgiving holiday is the most Christian holiday of all. There's no quality more emphasized in Scripture than thanksgiving. It may not sound like a big deal to us, but there's no quality more important to living the fulfilled Christian life than having a spirit of thanksgiving. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, in fact, Paul says, we are to give thanks in all circumstances. And I'm telling you, if you learn to do that, you'll learn to enjoy God's benefit package. But let me say this, here's the next point. Here's the key to destroying it. The key to destroying it is entitlement. If you want to enjoy God's benefit package, it's thanksgiving. If you want to destroy the benefit package, it's a sense of entitlement. Thanksgiving has an evil twin, and it's called entitlement. What's entitlement? You owe me. I deserve this. Listen to this quotation from John Ortberg. You'll see it on the screen here. 
The more you think you're entitled to, the less you'll be grateful for. The bigger the sense of entitlement, the smaller the sense of gratitude. You know, if you walk in your home every day and think, you know what, I've worked really hard and you know, I've done pretty good and I'm a little jealous of these people who got bigger houses than me, but you know, I, you know, I, this is, you know, I'm entitled to live in America, man. I'm, I'm entitled to live in a, a nice house that's air conditioned and heating and has decent furniture. Man, you, you're not going to enjoy that house. But if you walk in that house every day thinking, my goodness, am I blessed to live in this house? I mean, we live like almost no one else on the globe in our luxury. And when you walk in that house with a sense of entitlement or a sense of even jealousy that someone might have more than you, you've destroyed your sense of joy and happiness. But if you walk in there thinking, my goodness, how blessed I am to live in a house last night where it was heated, to live in a place where I'm going to have plenty of food to eat. You know, the statistic in America today is that one out of five children in America will be hungry at some point today. And to think that we even, we get to live differently than that. What a blessing. Guys, entitlement is a very dangerous thing. It's dangerous in our country today. A man named Steve Morali wrote a book in which he wrote this. When we replace a sense of gratitude with a sense of entitlement and expectation, we quickly see the demise of our relationships, our society, and our economy. If you start for taking for granted your spouse, your children, your friends, if you just feel entitled to them, you destroy the relationship. In our country, we all know one of the things going on that's messing up is a sense of entitlement. Somebody owes me something, the government owes me this, the company owes me this, and if they don't, I'll just get a lawsuit and get it. It's completely destroying what this man says, our society, and even our economy. But let's don't get too big on the nation today. Let's talk about ourselves. Let me tell you, a sense of entitlement will destroy your fulfillment in Christ. And that's why the Bible talks so much about thanksgiving. Never forget what God has done for you. In fact, a mark of a life opposed to God is a lack of thanksgiving. All right, let's listen to this passage. If you have your Bible, you can turn over there. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, where Paul is talking about all the terrible and sinful things people were doing, how they rejected God. He, he, he says this, oh, excuse me, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. My friends, ingratitude is not only a bad thing for your psyche, it is absolutely the darkest of sins. So, how can we become more thanks, thankful? I want to give you this. Thanksgiving involves four bennies. Remember that's our key word? The word good? Let me give you these. First of all, it involves looking at our benefits. Well, what is a benefit? It, it's just something good. It's a good gifts. So one of the keys to living a thankful life is to recognize your good gifts. I, I like the way the psalmist puts it. If you got your Bible, look at Psalms 103 and just listen to the way he expresses the way we ought to live our life. Psalms 103, we're going to look at verse 2 through 5. Listen to what he says. 
Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his, here's our word, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You, you want to live a better life? Listen to me. Here's, here's part of what you got to do. You got you to recognize the good things in your life. You got to see those good gifts. And the second, you've got to recognize the benefactor. Now, that's a cool word. Uh, benefactor. Well, well, that's the word we get factory. It's the one who makes the good things. And that's God. James 1.17 says, listen, every good and perfect gift comes from God. You see, we, we begin to live in entitlement when I think I actually deserve what I've got and I've earned it and I've done it the American way. I've pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. The truth is, my friends, every good and perfect gift comes from God. He is the benefactor. And then the next Benny is you need to recognize the beneficiary. And you need to recognize that you are the receiver of these good gifts. See, some of us struggle with this. It's easier for me to see the good things in your life than see the good things in my life. If I'm not careful, I begin to, to, to count the negative things in my life instead of counting my blessings. You've got to recognize that you are the beneficiary. You know, the scripture says this, God has given you, listen to this quotation, all things to enjoy. Sometimes Christians, we get real dire and we get real sad and we, we feel guilty because we enjoy good things in our life. The Bible doesn't say that. Oh, they need to stay in balance, no doubt about that. But the Bible says God's given you what he's given you for you to enjoy it, for you to recognize that God's not only just giving good gifts in general, he's giving good gifts to you. You see, the one thing that will destroy Thanksgiving is comparison. And I go, okay, yeah, yeah, I, got, I do have this nice house, but wow, this other guy's got this house. I, I do have a nice ride. We do eat decent food. We can go out to eat twice a week. But man, look at those folks. They go out to eat every night of the week. That comparison will destroy this. Too many of us are like the three kids sitting around comparing their dads, trying to brag on One kid said, have you guys ever heard of the Statue of Liberty? They said, yeah. The kid said, well, my dad, he designed it. And then the second kid thought for a moment, said, you guys ever heard of the Empire State Building? He said, they said, yeah. He said, my dad, he built it. Third kid couldn't think of what he was going to say. And finally, he just got this out of the air. You guys ever heard of the Dead Sea? They said, yeah. He said, my dad, he killed it. <laughs> well, let me tell you, when you start comparing what you have with other people, you can, you kill Thanksgiving. Because guess what? There's always somebody who's got more. Yeah, there's always someone who's got less. And when you start living in comparison to the people you work with or the people that you live around, the people in your family, you'll destroy it. You need to celebrate that you are the beneficiary from the great benefactor who is God, who's given you all kinds of benefits. Now, here's the most practical thing we're going to say today. We've got to learn to give benedictions. Let's talk about that for a moment. There's that word, Benny, which means good. The word diction means words. So here, here's, here's my challenge as we start closing down this morning. You need to ritualize grateful words. 
You see, when we express these words, we connect the gift with the giver. You see, well, one thing that could really help you as you walk away from this service is to begin to practice saying good things, to learn to be thankful. In Jesus' day, it was ingrained in them. If you were a young Jewish boy, you were taught three times a day to give 18 benedictions. A a benediction is something that simply says, bless you, O Lord, and then you fill in the rest. And so when you woke up, you were trained as a young man that you needed to say 18 of those. In the middle of the day, you need to say 18 of them. And when you ended your day, you need to say another 18. That's quite a bit. Because they knew the power of the words that we speak over our lives. And so today I want to challenge you about doing some things practically. Let me give you these three things you could do. Why don't you start a Thanksgiving journal? Just list the things you're thankful for. I've never been a big Oprah fan, but here's one thing I think she did right. She encouraged everybody listening to her TV show to list five things they had loved about their day. Five things they had loved about it. Somebody took that and did a study to go, does this fluff work? And they found out that people who took her up on the challenge were much happier than people who didn't. Learn to just write down the things you're thankful for. Start a journal of all the good things. The second thing would be learn to have Thanksgiving expressions. Learn to give thanks. An old-fashioned thing that I think less than us do. It is not a legalistic thing. If it is, we'd be in trouble. Is giving, giving thanks at a meal. I forgot what we said just a few weeks ago about that, but it sort of changed the way I pray at my meals. That my meal is the time to really recognize all the benefits that God gives me, that when I've got that plate of food in front of me, it's a time to recognize that God provides. Learn to express that. Some of us don't do it. Some of us, it's just become routine. No better than not doing it. Learn to stop, slow down, and truly give thanks. Another good Thanksgiving expression is at the end of events to leave it with words of thanksgiving, words of praise. I mean, you recognize at the end of every creation day, what did God say? It is what? It is good. It's many. It's good. Even God does this. So here's a great exercise for you. You know, when you're leaving work, think about all the good things that happened that day. List those things. Say those things. Express those things. When you're leaving a friend, Express to them what you like about them that's good. When you're with your family and you're going off to work, tell them the good things you see in them. At the end of the day, when you're laying your head on your pillow, when you're tempted, if you're like me, to rehearse all the bad things that happen in your day, take time to express to God your thanksgiving. Here's the challenge. At every ending point in your life, every time a, a, a meeting's ending, a day's ending, an event's ending, stop to review the good things about what's happened and, and, and express it. And you'll become a much more thankful person. And then obviously, benedictions or thanksgiving prayers, they all start with the word bless. 
Blessed are you, O Lord. That's how they start. What does it mean? God, out of thanksgiving, I want to bless you, God. I want to make you happy. And that's why kids in Jesus' day were trained to do that. It was revolutionary in their relationship with God. Look at that phrase on the board today. Blessed are you, O Lord, for... What would you put there? How about if you had to do that 18 times? Would that be difficult? I really don't think it'd be very difficult. Blessed are you, O Lord, for giving me my health. Blessed are you, O Lord, for helping me through difficult times. Blessed are you, O Lord, for my children. Blessed are you, O Lord, for my wife. Blessed are you, O Lord, for great friends. Blessed are you, O Lord, for forgiving my sin. Blessed are you for the beautiful sunset I saw a few days ago. Blessed are you for the meal that is put before me. Blessed are you, O Lord, for giving me a church family I can lean on, for giving me a family that I can celebrate with. Just bless the Lord. I mean, say, say those words with me. Blessed are you, O Lord, for. Say it loud. Blessed are you, O Lord, for. And here's what I want to do as we close out. I want us to, to say that. And then we're going to do silence. And I want you just to give thanks. Tell God what, how, how he's blessed you and you want to bless him back. So let, let's say the phrase together, then we'll have silence, and you fill in the blank in your head, and then we'll say it again, we'll have silence, and then we'll say it one more time, and we'll have silence. And let's just begin a time of thanksgiving right now. Blessed, or, say it with me, blessed are you, O Lord, for... Let's go again. Blessed are you, O Lord, for... One more time. Blessed are you, O Lord, for. Here's what I know. If you'd start that today, the list would grow longer and longer. But not only would the list grow longer and longer, but you would become more and more alive. I love this quotation from Thornton Wilder. Look at this. We can only be said to be alive in the moment when our hearts are conscious of our treasures. Is that a great quotation or what? We're only alive when our hearts are conscious of our treasures. It feeds us. There's not only does positivity and thanksgiving make you feel better, it feeds you, it energizes you, it opens your minds up. I will give you two experiments. You walk out of here today and you go be negative. You get in your car and you complain. You get to lunch and you critique what happened at church. You begin to critique your family around you. Tell me what that does to your heart. Tell me what that does to your joy. No matter if you're accurate about the things you say, it's going to shrink it. But here's the other challenge. If you leave out of here and you give thanks and you express thanks for what's happened here in our body today, for your family, for the good things God's given you in life, for the shelter you have, you give thanks. I'm going to tell you, not only are you just going to feel better, but you're going to be more productive. It's going to expand what you do. I saw a book over Books a Million 
a month ago. It just sort of intrigued me. The title was just called Positivity. It wasn't a spiritual book, wasn't a religious book, but it was just an idea of, of how being positive changes your life. And, and the lady who wrote it had done extensive research in families, in businesses, in schools about the difference that positivity made. And here's what they found out. It was really fascinating. Most of us live with a ratio of about one negative to two positive thoughts. One negative expression to two positive. Some are one to one, but most, most, most people live between one and two. Okay? So you got, let's say you got two positive and one negative. What they studied was whether it was in your marriage or whether it was in your business or an organization you're part of, there was a tipping point. There was a tipping point when marriages flourished. There was a tipping point when work environments became a place where people thrived. And here was the tipping point. It was only three to one. If in your marriage you could have three positive comments to one negative, it would change your marriage. If in your brain you'd have three positive thoughts to one negative, it'd change the joy of your life. At your workplace, if there were three positives to every one negative given out, your workplace would become a place that thrive. It was fascinating. No, no matter what they studied, in what area of life, scientifically they studied this, that ratio held true three to one. And the people who could get up to five or six to one were the people who thrived off the charts. And that's why the Bible says, if you don't do anything else, give thanks. And the greatest sin is ingratitude. So today, have you been thankful for God's benefits package in your life? You see, the, the key to this, guys, is not getting more. That, that's not the key. The key to today is recognizing more. It's not like, God, if you do all, that's how we live. If God, you do all these things in my life, I'd finally be happy. You'll never be happy that way because there's always something else you want him to do. But if you could go, Lord, I'm just going to recognize all the good you are doing, all my benefits. So today, there might be somebody here that needs to publicly repent for just being so negative and grateful. Well, that'd be something. We confess a lot of sins in this church. I don't know if I ever heard that one confessed. But I think that'd be a big one. Or, or maybe today you just need prayers to be more thankful. Or maybe today you've recognized God's benefits package. You thought it was just a get out of hell card. But you recognize today, you not only are you going to be better in all eternity, but your life's going to be whole much better right now. That doesn't mean everything's going to go your way, but you'll be able to handle it. And, and today, you want to accept the benefits package. It's laid out there for you. It's already been purchased for you by the blood of Jesus. Why don't you come today and accept it? But you pray for it. If you'd like to be baptized today, why don't you come right now while we stand together and sing?